Yo, what's up, everybody? Uh, today on the podcast, we have Mr. Carl Vincent Roth. He is my best friend. He plays bass for Satsung. Uh, he does all of the uh, machine interfacing on the production side. Um, you know, he, uh, man, he's, he's the man. He does so, so much for the band and, um, it was really interesting until we had this conversation. I didn't realize that our relationship has always pretty much been the same as far as what we do when we're together. Uh, and it's, uh, it was really fun to just go deep with them and, and reminisce on some hilarious stories, but also just kind of talk about really how long we've been creating together because uh, it's been a grip but um he's like my favorite dude on the planet i love the dude um yeah he's a guy i don't know what else to say um without further ado here's mr carl roth cool my best bro carl roth welcome to the satsung hey. podcast thank you it's good to be here real good to be here I don't know where we're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> no notes. Do I? No fucking questions. <laughs> no nothing. All fully, right. Fully from the hip, dude. The brain hip. Um, I so love it. Let's start at the beginning, dude. How old were you when you started playing music? Some of these I don't even know. I don't even know the answer to this one. Um, I must have been seven. Um, I I... I was like, well, in second grade, I got put into a program. Our elementary school had a gifted music program. Um, and I remember getting into that. So it was cool because you got to like, you know, leave class and just go go play music, which was sure. amazing. And then obviously when they started, um, you know, seventh, I think seven, eight is when they start introducing like band, you know, mm -hmm. recorders uh, and shit. And I pay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I picked saxophone. Um and started there and you know did that through pretty much freshman year of high school but in the meantime i started picking up other instruments and you know it's funny how that's like the cutoff dude because i played i was in band from yeah fifth grade until freshman for some reason i was like motherfucker i ain't doing band in high school like you notice how the, know. kids, the kids get real weird real quick in, in high school band yeah <laughs> well too and i know exactly what it was because in my high school, if you were, you know, in band, you had to do marching band. I, I believe that was a deciding was. factor for me as well, too. I forgot about that. Yeah, I was like, you're not, you're not getting me to do this. I did not want to, like, come to extracurricular activities just to play in the band. And... Especially wearing those fucking outfits, dude. Yeah. No, I did that for, for one year, and that was enough for me. I was done. But what so, happened when you quit band? Because it was probably similar to what happened to me. Uh, just... <laughs> guitar and, uh, you know. Drugs. Substance, drugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, mainly guitar. And I just fell in love with, you know, with, with playing strings, really start guitar and then moved to, to a little brief stint on the mandolin and then fell in love with Bella Fleck and bought a banjo and, you know, just started kind of going, <laughs> just grabbing a hold of anything I could and, and try to make sounds off of it. That was kind of when, when I'd say, I think band was great to like kind of learn basics of music and get introduced to it. But once, once I had a guitar in my hands and like Barb, my mom always jokes, you know, she's like, I taught you everything I knew in like a day. And then you just kind of, kind of took, took it and ran with it. And here we are, you know? 
Well, what many years later? Because so. you went to you went to Columbia in Chicago for a little bit for music. You went for two years, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, three years. Yeah, or two and a half. I don't know. <laughs> college was college was a bit of a blur. I didn't take it as serious I, as I probably should have. Well, it's interesting, man, because uh, you know we have a couple cats in our band that are both Berkeley graduates. Um, I always had an immense amount of respect for people that dropped out of music school. Um, cause what's the phrase, <laughs> what's the phrase that they always say, right? You know, it takes you seven years to unlearn the four years of Berkeley. Yeah. Some, you know, there's some catchphrase like that or something. Something like that. Yeah. But it's always, and, um, yeah, music school. Go ahead. Oh no, keep going. No, I music always school was interesting. Go. <laughs> music <laughs> school was just interesting. It was such a different, like. You know, you go in and I really loved certain aspects of it, but like the, the regiment and the Columbia was, um, was one of those schools where you got what you, you got out what you put in. And so, you know, I think college and I, it is, it's hard to ask an 18 year old to 22 year old kid to go in and take it seriously, especially as you're like finding your own autonomy and, and leaving the house and you're dealing with all this life changes. Like, no, you got to focus on this. I was like, are you kidding? I got freedom right now. I want to take advantage of it. Yeah. And what, well, what's so interesting about you. Um, and I feel this way about a lot of musicians. I know that even finished music school, but the thing that was always wild to me is what drew me to you musically when we first started hanging out wasn't, oh my God, this guy fucking shreds and has such a solid understanding of theory and composure. It was like, oh man, dude, this guy's songs are really good. You know what I mean? Oh, like, it, you know, it was your songs. It wasn't like, um, you know, part of it was the fact that you were like the first person I ever met that's like, I record music and actually know how to do it and know how to like make <laughs> it, you know, make it sound like a song. But yeah, it wasn't um, like, uh John, I, we don't need to remember his last name, but you know who I'm talking about. John something or other that went to school, music school with you. Guitar player. Sakura. Sakura. Yeah. Right. Sikora. Now, he, yeah. he was someone that I watched play and was like, whoa, dude, you're extremely proficient. But I never oh. felt the thing from him, you know? Right. I. Yeah. He, like, it was the difference between, I kind of, I think that's where our relationship uh really kind of like we we sharpened each other it was like steel mm -hmm. on steel kind of thing because you you we met each other when we were both like you had been writing tunes and i felt the same way i heard a couple of your songs um like old ones you know and i was like man this guy's <laughs> this guy can write because they get stuck in my head and that, you know mm -hmm. like we were hanging out with with other people that were writing music um and you know it wasn't the same there wasn't the same excitement and you know especially when we lived together it was like i'd write one and then you, you know the next day you'd come out and you'd like i got a new one and it was just this like yeah like steel sharpening steel it's just it, well, it's a, it, it turned into a prolific thing a hundred percent and it yeah and it totally was like a competition but not in a competition sense it was more like oh i need to write a better song than carl it was like well fuck if he's writing i should be writing you know, like if yeah, well, you know, totally. it's like if he's creating shit, I should be creating shit too. Um, it's well, really we'd record it. Yes, you know, you and know, that and that was so amazing because you, that was the thing that really blew me away with you too. Was like, 
I don't know, you know, like uh, recording music has always been where I struggled, which is, you know, why I just, you know, feel like you're my heterosexual life mate is like, <laughs> you know, from the gate, there was just always this flow when the two of us were working on shit that was like, whatever I wasn't good at, you were good at. Um, and I, and yeah, I, st I yeah. still feel that way when we work together, you know? Um, same, same. Um, so yeah, let's talk about those crazy times when we lived together. What a fucking nutty. <laughs> yeah, totally. So backstory, backstory, um, Carl and I, Carl's two years older than me. So we met when I was 20 and he was 22 and mm -hmm. I was a full blown alcoholic. Um, and we quickly became friends with people that were pretty substantially older than us because of where we worked. We worked at this string of stores called the Alley Stores uh, in Chicago. And there was, you know, four of these stores that were all kind of connected on Clark and Belmont in Chicago. But there was like a crew of us and we partied yeah. seven days a week. It was a full-time job. For years. <laughs> the, the Alley was part-time and partying was a full-time Dude, I think back it was, on it, yeah, it was, it was so group. conducive because all of the stores, the hours were from one to nine or one to midnight. So you never had to be at work before 1245. Uh, you know, I remember walking yeah. home from 4am bars and being like, I'm still going to get six in. We're good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, and not to mention that we were right across the street from our, from our watering hole. So, I mean, right. you get done with work and it's not like you had to go anywhere. You just had to literally cross the road <laughs> and then everybody yeah. would be there. Um, yeah. So even if, you know, the intention was always like, I remember playing that game with myself all the time where I was like, just going to go for one, you know, maybe two. And then, bar closed and i'm like what am i doing i need to get home yeah. i need to go to bed oh wait no i don't have to be at work till noon so yeah. <laughs> we're good well yeah. you know what was interesting too is even though during that time you know i mean i literally dude i think back on those times and i was like man if i didn't black out i'd be like oh that's weird i totally remember everything about last night <laughs> you know that was like the rare occurrence <laughs> it wasn't blacking out that was weird it was like on the nights that i didn't i was like oh man i have a really solid structure of, of the of the previous night i remember everything um which even most of those yeah. times you know someone would inform me that uh that i didn't they would remind me of something that i had no recollection of but um it was weird because i remember like the cats from the lawrence arms always being around um my sister yeah. jay who was my roommate and best friend um was the bartender at the LNL and she was always loosely tied to the, you know, the skinhead reggae scene. So it always felt like, yeah, we were just fucking partying, but we were in like a thing, you know, it was like, this is an important yeah. phase partying in the North side of Chicago. It was. it was cool. I think back on it, you know, I remember like, even like, uh, like that story of, I think his name is what Ian uh, for deals gone bad. Mm -hmm. when you had like sat down and, and he was like kind of like I don't know if I, I the could memories are so pleading but like um I think he was like teaching you how to like open up your vocal cords and stuff because that Bro, guy's just got such dude. pipes so I had like, said I had said to Jay because I was in love with Deals Gone Bad you know it's fair for anyone that hasn't heard Deals yeah. Gone Bad if you want to hear Chicago skinhead reggae that's the fucking band oh, and so good um, I forget his name too, the lead singer. But anyway, I remember telling Jay, like, 
man, if I could just hang out with this dude for a night, how phenomenal would that be? Yeah. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, they're all really close friends of mine. She was actually Dave Simon's best man at his wedding, you know, <laughs> which my, my Jay's the only oh, woman, yeah, totally. woman I've met that's been the best man in like six weddings. Um, <laughs> but um, she, dude, yeah, she was. when we lived together, she showed up, she showed up to the house at, you know, fucking 2.33 in the morning and I'm getting woken up and I'm like, are yeah. you fucking kidding me right now? And I wake up <laughs> and it was him. It was the lead singer of Deals Gone Bad. Yeah. And he goes, hey, man, your sister said we should jam. I brought some whiskey. Do you need some? And then it was like, I was like, man, I'm super fucking tired. And he's like, it's okay. I have cocaine, too. I was like, oh, great. All right, let's do it then. <laughs> cool. Um, let's do this. And yeah, uh, he showed me how to play a couple of their songs and, 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 and gave me a quick singing lesson, you know. And yeah, I mean, that was just kind of the shit that happened all of the time, too, you know, like. Um, yeah, I don't think I, we were even that aware of kind of, you know, like who we were rubbing elbows with and like kind of the, the impact that it was having. It was it, like the realization of that came much later in life when I look back on it and I was like, wow, <laughs> like wow, that was a yeah. very like curated time, you know? Totally. Yeah. Especially um, in we, Chicago. Yeah. Of all places. And I mean, you know, we had such like, we had, I, I always just kind of attribute, you know, like our relationship with our good friend, Damien, mm -hmm. um, and like him, like we got to like kind of like that's the cross genre stuff where like Damien introduced me personally to just such good hip hop and like that was where I got then, my like, doctorate. Yeah. Yeah. And then he would also come back and like throw on some old Dylan, you know, and like just had an immense respect for like songwriting. So it's like cool to think that we were, yeah, like surrounded by people that not only were just fun to hang out with and, and party with, but they actually had like a lot of respect for music and like a really kind of well-versed, you know, everybody yeah. had a different genre yep. and like a different appreciation. So musically, I feel like I grew a lot in that time. Totally, um, man. Yeah, I look back on that a lot because I pretty much, you know, I listened to the hip hop that was, you know, in my neighborhood, um, yeah. you know, which was all the the standard, you know, Mob Deep and, and Biggie and Pac and Nas and all that shit. But when I got to Chicago, man, and with Damien for me, yeah, it was a whole bunch of hip hop. Um, yeah. But then hanging out with Nick, like Nick was really into really awesome, like indie, not, I mean, like rock and roll, like fucking clutch yeah. before they were big, like real rock. And then also oh, 1920s blues, you know, but blues. Yeah. You'd go to, you'd go to his house and you have vinyl spinning, like real Alan real, Wolf like and Robert shit. Johnson, like, how, yeah. yeah. And he had just an immense respect where he'd just be sitting there sipping whiskey, like listening to classic blues. And I was like, yeah. you are just such a cool you're cool, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nick was cool, you know. man. And then, and then yeah. what else, you know, and then Jay, you know, and all of her friends were, you know, kind of the comfort zone. Because when I would go on my benders with Jay and all the skaters, it was just like, cool, we're going to listen to, um, we're, yeah, we're going to listen to punk rock and really, really old reggae. Yeah. And, you know, and skate and drink. So, yeah, man, it was a really interesting time. I guess for me, it was huge because... I always remember in Des Moines of like telling my friends when I was hanging out with my punk rock friends, I was like, Oh yeah, man, country's bullshit. Fuck that singer songwriter bullshit. But then I'd be hanging out with these friends and yeah. be like, Oh yeah, dude, I love this shit. You know, I didn't want everyone to know that I liked everything. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The same. Well, same. And I think because you like come out of high school and you're like still in that weird mindset where people would like 
kind of, you know, you, you have to like lob yourself into this category, you know, like I, I grew up in, in my high school is like very kind of like hippie granola, like it was very affluent. So it was either like kids listening to pop music and like just your classic party hip hop and stuff. Or then it was like fish heads and grateful yeah. dead pans and widespread panic and cheese and all that. So I was like totally into that genre, but then, you know, I, lo- I loved like listening to like Everclear and Eagle Eye Cherry and just sure, like yeah. random stuff that I'd put on or like Genesis, you know, yes. and like the police and dire straits. And, you know, like I, I'm blessed with parents that, you know, I mean, even my dad for all his faults, he had great taste in music and Barb, like huge Beatles fan and like love. Yeah. That's gotta be harmony. huge, man. Cause that's every time I talk yeah. to your mom about music, I'm always like, Oh yeah, you like good shit. That's killer. You know, my, my mom, loves my mom really is always just listening to country. Um, but it was, dude, bro, it's so yeah. funny last night. I was thinking that my mom would be so proud. I was watching this, uh, Ken Burns. Well, not even watching, listening to, as I fell asleep, this Ken Burns country documentary. And he does, yeah. you know, in this Ken Burns voice, he's like a coal miner's daughter from West Virginia. I was like Loretta Lynn. And then he said it. And then he's like, <laughs> and, you know, and a swoony singer from upstate Kentucky. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, Patsy Klein. You know, and I was like, my mom would be <laughs> exactly. so proud that I just know all this shit. But Dude, she'd be so proud just to to hear the direction that your music's gone in, too. Uh, yeah, I sent there's, her, uh, there's a lot I sent more her one last night. So let's talk about our, uh, you know, how you and I started making music together. Um, <laughs> how did let, we, uh, you know, we started jamming. I remember that. I remember just like, I remember the first time I went to your house to, to Jay's, you know, when you were staying with her and we had like met downtown. We made, yep. I made that like diehard comment. The Bruce Willis. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, talk, we were talking about jumping on trains and, and action movies. And then we went back to, to Jay's and we just jammed for a while. And that's kind of when it all started. Um, and then, you know, when we lived together, that's when we started. I, I was just like wanted to record you all the time because I always I learned I taught myself how to record just because I was broke and I didn't want to pay anyone to do it so sure. I was like okay I'm just gonna learn you know garage band and and the DAW stuff and then when I met you I was like I want to record these songs and kind of get into that mindset and really fell in love with production so it was fun man we I still have, have all that music yeah I almost sometimes stuff. I almost sometimes still want holds. you know the thing with me during that time period was Carl had all these tricks. Carl's not a, well, he is now, but he previously was not a morning person at all, but he would wake up and be like, Hey man, let's start recording <laughs> because I would start, I'd start drinking right when I woke up. So you really only had a good, you know, uh, you know, by late afternoon, you know, yeah. If you got me up at nine, 10 in the morning, you had until about five or six o'clock until I'd quit making sense. Um, yep. And then car, I also had a huge marijuana hiatus because when I would smoke it, it would make me not want to drink. Uh, so yeah. Carl also is pretty responsible for when I started recording music <laughs> for being like, Hey man, hit this pipe real quick, you know? And, um, yeah, I think, I think it made a lot of, um, yeah, it had a huge, I think, effect on, like, I think back on it now and I like, I find myself the most productive in the, in the mornings. And I always, uh, uh sometimes wonder if like, you know, it was like uh, the Pavlovian thing of like, well, I'm awake. It's like, okay, cool, man. Well, you have these seven hours where you can be creative and then it's going to shut down, you know? Yeah. 
was I don't even think I was aware that I was doing that, but it definitely always bought me a couple hours if, if I already gave it to, yeah. to hit the pipe. And we we started doing those when we lived together, we started doing those those jams, just the free recording yep. like live jams. And then we did a couple I we forgot did about that. for Damien. That was all yeah, I still have those. And like we did the album for Damien, all those Bob Dylan tunes. Like we were very creative. It Hang was, on, it, talk it's about crazy that project. To think of. Talk about that the Dylan oh, for Damien thing. So our friend Damien was moving to uh, South Carolina. Uh, he, you know, he was like a, we talked about him earlier. So, uh, and he just loved Bob Dylan. So uh, Drew and I um, wanted to do an album for him as kind of a going away present. So we picked uh, all Bob Dylan covers and Drew would do this, you know, sing lead on one and then I'd sing lead on the other and then we'd do one together. Um, and we, it was a full blown cover album. It was, it was like awesome. 11 we did songs, style. right? Yeah, yeah. We played with genre too. You did this amazing uh, shelter, shelter from, from the, the storm. storm. That was reggae. Yeah, it was like it was so much fun, and we just kept one upping. And then I think the the highlight was when we did um, na, 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 uh, rainy day woman number yeah, something thirty five. Um, yep, and we just got a well, we got a little a little tipsy. Well, so. <laughs> uh the idea for the the idea for the end of uh uh the rainy day woman thing was we were like oh we should we should we should sound really drunk and clap (laughs) you know and do this like you know kind of hammered sing-along thing and then we're like i mean or we could just get hammered and do it (laughs) which we did oh shit man we should back to it we should put that you up. You can tell. Yeah. We should. That, I mean, there's a lot of good ones on there. And then there's some serious ones. I mean, um, you know, I there's... There, Your cover of Buckets like of Rain? Yeah. Ooh. That one was... Like, there's a couple on there that I still... That still come up every once in a while. And Dude, I'm like, send me wow, that shit. I, I haven't listened to that in years. I will. Years. I'll send you the whole album. Oh, yeah. man. And then you and I had... We had that, that little group that we called, what... Uh, <laughs> the kindred roots cultivate oh yeah dude we yeah, recorded dude. it at my mom's house yeah yeah there are some really good tracks on that too there's like a sign that it is there's yep. an instrumental song that we did yeah so yeah i mean it like we you know i keep saying it but like i don't think we were rare, aware of like how prolific like we we Worked might not have been lot. playing I... those but we were doing work yeah that's wild i've forgotten like, about all of that yeah, it's we have an extensive back catalog that, that will probably never be heard by the public, but it's wow, true. Wow, like dude! Years, probably about you know twelve years of music, and then I mean, it was it was. We did like two hip hop songs. Release. Yep, we did left right, and uh, I forget what the other one was called. I but then that our relationship hook. has always been that way because it was, um, you know, we took you know you went out to Montana, and then in twenty twelve on your birthday I flew out and we just started picked up right where we left off. We did that like folk folk kind of album uh, where yep. we were just for fun, just cause like, that's what Fuck, we did when we were dude. together. Yeah, yeah. Really wild. Isn't Paradise, that? And then we did, you know, it was like, all right, well, when I'm with Drew, like this is what we do. We record music together and we play and we jam. And that's, 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 this is why we're best friends. It's like, or at least, you know, it's obviously grown from that, but you know, that was kind of always at the foundation. Cause like the first night we met, 
we just started playing and I was like, you're really fun to play with. I, I, I want to keep doing that. Um, and it's just never left. I mean, that's just always been the consistent kind of thread. Yeah, that's really wild. That really was. It wasn't like, hey, come out here to Montana and we'll do X, Y, and Z. It was like, no, come out here to Montana and bring your shit and we'll just record yeah. music for five days. Right. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. my first time in Montana, I, I mean, we could have done so many things, but instead we just hold up in your basement apartment and put together like a 12 song album again that we just didn't do anything but it was just just for us you know just to listen to you because it was super fun i mean you like got I, from that trip too you got me like heavily inspired by john prine yeah because um, we did paradise and then uh angel from montgomery and you know it's funny because like yeah you've always kind of been responsible for introducing me to, to music that i've become obsessed with and even like the other day when you sent me, sent me that artist, it's like, here's your new favorite songwriter, dude. Yeah, he's <laughs> good, like, right? Brent he's Cobb. So good. Brent Cobb, way to go, man. Way to yeah. just be good at what you do. Yeah, yeah, really, really dope. Yeah, that's really interesting, dude. I guess I've never thought of it that way. But yeah, we really do have like a 12-year history of recording music together. I guess, dude, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, I had a, you know, when I decided to start going to therapy last year, I had a a hilarious moment where you know my therapist said tell me about you uh and she stopped me like 15 minutes in and was like cool i didn't mean about your band uh tell me about you <laughs> like I, I i literally started my story yeah. uh in 2016 when we started touring really hard wow that was where i started this my my life story you know and she was like uh so you're four years <laughs> old, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I forget really sometimes, I forget sometimes, you know, shit like that, like that we really did. That's, yeah, that's just what we do and always have done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. crazy shit. I mean, you've obviously grown to be, you know, you're my best friend, so it's like, it all, but it all spawned from that, you know? So yeah. it's, it's crazy when I have to kind of get objective and think about, just our relationship in general because it's always been predicated off of creating which mm -hmm. i think is such a cool thing you don't really meet people where that's the tying factor and to think that you know now it's grown into what it has and you know i i was just at, you know just out and listening to the work that we we're we're doing now and i'm like this is so nuts this started 12 years ago like yeah <laughs> like yeah, you, you know, know you get those objective moments. Yeah, 100%, dude. One of my favorite things about how uh how having us doing this thing together is like whether it was like Keller or G Love. G Love was a huge one just cuz we went and saw him together, you know, three times yeah. when when we lived in Chicago. <laughs> but just yeah. to be like so we're making a song with G Love, huh? weird you know like yeah. uh and and it's just it's cool to have have you with me because there's like if you weren't in the band you would be the first person that i texted to tell you know you'd be the first person that i would text yeah. to tell you know so the fact that you do all exactly. of this shit with me is so cool yeah i mean i was listening just kind of the other day i was just i, I think when i was driving home from montana I, I put it on but you know the the mc the mcdrunk rap yeah <laughs> um, that, I, I had that and you you referenced michael franti in the in the rap 
because you're like, but I got because you couldn't oh, go to the show. That's remember, right. you had to work from from nine to twelve, and it's like Bronte's name is in it. And then here I am laughing hysterically on the way home because we've toured with him successfully now, you know, and yeah. he's like, he helped us out so much. And he's, you know, you and him have become so close. It's like, that to me is just so fun because it's like listening back and just realizing that at one point we were just, you know, on, on the, the side that you're used to being on yeah, that, that, that fan, you know, just loving their, their music and, you know, to hear it just kind of in this hilarious, like freestyle that we did in my bedroom in chicago is, Yo, so, you know, so I, love, Michael, I love that we're gonna that's gonna be the cli- <laughs> that's gonna be the clip that we use right there for the uh for the little where we share your picture with the clip that's gonna be the one because that's so funny <laughs> michael if you're listening dog so what happened was i had tickets to see your show at the vic theater mm-hmm. uh where i saw you play a couple times and uh, this dipshit anime kid named Gordon that worked at the store that I worked at, this motherfucker <laughs> could not make it to work on time, man, ever. And I was standing there a few days prior when our manager, Nick, was like, yo, dude, if you're late again, you're fucking fired. But yeah. he showed up late and I got called. This was the day before the show. And my boss was just like, yo, dude, you got to come in and work tomorrow from five to 12. And I was like, but I'm supposed to go see Michael Franti. And he's like, dude, I need you. Like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, I need you to come in and work. And so when I got that news, I was already drinking, but I was like, all right, well, I'm getting fucking shit canned today then. (laughs) And I got real hammered and I had Carl make this beat on the fly using GarageBand and I freestyled uh yeah and and yeah that it's it's kind of a legendary piece in our circle of in our our friend it's kind of a legendary rap four dollars corn of a poop chickens in my coop it's gold it's it's literally like a minute and 46 seconds of pure gold um, dude i that's so, so funny just you hear, again, i can hear the like boom once it gets once it's in your brain it doesn't leave it's just, <laughs> and I, I i could probably do that whole thing verbatim and what's um, funny too is i remember at the beginning i was like give me some keys or something you're like working on it dude well you know we're just sitting in my bedroom i think it was like you me and damien you know yep. it's like kind of going through the motions just doing what we normally do which was just drink probably smoke a couple bowls and, and listen and or and then damien was just like you you guys are weird man yep. <laughs> like, but what was funny do? Like, is, like, is, i remember him like kind of talking shit in the moment and then like his face when i was like saying the shit that i was and then he's just like, all right, this is pretty funny. Let him roll. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, we had, for, you know, everybody was kind of, we were going through the motions, you know, and not yeah. in a bad way. I think we were all going through something and kind of figuring it out. But we had a great friend group. I mean, I just, like, I still remember walking down to, like, a live one or Jake's or, you know, and just kind of, like, crewed up and, um and so for for all the, the negativity that was surrounding those years there's there's plenty of great stuff to to balance that out so yeah, you know man that's something that i've always kind of needed in my life 
uh, is to have a crew. I just always have, yeah. you know, um, you know, growing up, I had such a tight friend group. Like it was, it didn't really fucking change, you know, and anytime it changed, it was like, okay, this is the new crew. And yeah, man, that's probably the thing I think of most fondly when I think back on Chicago is this like, if you wanted to go do something, you were always like, okay, well, there's going to be at least five of us at least, you know what I mean? And on good nights, it was, yeah. yeah. You know, whereas like if we were rolling yeah. proper, it was like 10, 15 deep. And yeah, you know, Absolutely. when I kind of moved out to Montana, when I quit drinking, you know, I went into this isolation period where I just like, I didn't really have any friends, man. And honestly, if it wasn't for satsung and jujitsu, I wouldn't talk to anyone except my wife. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I believe that. Um, that was well, an that, interesting time though. You know, I, it, I, and I think I, I was, I was happy. I remember, you know, you did have that isolation period, but then I remember that one day that you, that you called and, and we finally kind of, it broke the ice, you know, it was huge. And then all of a sudden it was just back to normal. It was just like, you know, we talk like once a week, twice a week. Totally. Um, so what, catch what, up. what Carl's referencing is, uh, I was in the middle of doing my 12 steps, uh, for like the third time, but, um, you know, Carl was my best friend. And, uh, the last time we saw each other, I had gone to Colorado for like two months and then moved back and was like, yo, dude, I'm back. Let's hang. And at the time Carl was DJing, which I think that will be the next thing that we get into. Um, and then, uh, you know, I went and hung out with him that night and, you know, I was doing bumps in the bathroom and I did my classic thing, which was everybody else went to bed and I stayed up. And then I think I slept for probably two hours or something like that, but I woke up and I went to the fridge and opened the fridge and there's like 12 beers in there. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna hang out and drink these, I guess. And then I just left. I didn't say <laughs> bye to anybody or nothing. So Carl and his roommates wake up, at, you know, at nine, 10 o'clock or whatever and come out and there's just, you know, 12 empty beer cans and I had bounced and Carl just hit me up, was like, yo, dude, what the fuck, man? Like, I don't, I don't think we can kick it anymore, dude. Like, you know, I was, I was hoping that, you know, your stint in Colorado might've like shook you up a bit or like, you know, made you not a you, but I, I, I just don't think we can kick it, man. And I went to treatment was, soon after that. Yeah, but but it yeah, was that yeah. and, and everybody else doing different versions of that. You yeah. know, it got to a place where I'd be like, yo, man, can I come stay or can I come kick it? And people would be like, nah, man, you can't, you can't come here. And it was like, you get enough yeah. of those, then you start being like, oh, fuck, it is me, isn't it? <laughs> right, <know>? yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, it's challenging too, because it's like, no one wants to do that to their best friend but you know i think it it that was enough to get you i remember you know talking to jay and and and, and you i think we talked briefly before you left i, I can't totally recall 100 percent, but just you know knowing that you were going out and getting help and um that was just huge i i had kind of forgiven you for everything at that point you know yeah. like because i was like no all i wanted that that's all i wanted so yeah. when you called to do the attempt Step I think that I think that one's seven that. or eight. Seven or eight, yeah. yeah. When you called to do that, you you kind of like you, you were getting into it, and I was like, 
I just remember being like, no, it's totally fine, man. It's good, dude. <laughs> good, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, are you good though? And you're like, yeah, actually, I'm doing really well. I'm like, see, yeah, all, all is forgiven, man. Like, you know, because it was just about, yeah, it's just about seeing, you know, I just didn't want you to go down that, that, that road. Um, and you didn't quite the opposite, really bounce back better than anybody I've seen. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, dude, I feel, I feel really blessed for watch. that. I feel really blessed for that. So when I came out to Montana, you when when you and I at the tail end of our relationship in Chicago, um, you were learning how to DJ. Like I remember you were just learning yeah. how to DJ when we um uh when you moved out. Um yeah. so you Carl spent how many years DJing it, bro bars? Eight. Eight Bro. years. All right. So everybody, if you've never been to Wrigleyville, the north side of Chicago, there are pockets of bars. That's not those aren't bars. They're clubs. They're clubs that look <laughs> like bars during the day. Yeah. These fucking yeah. bars, these are like they look like sports bars during the day. It's like, oh, that's a bar. But at night, we're talking elbow to elbow, line out the fucking door, block long. Two people leave, they let two more in. And Carl DJed at these bars for years. So talk about that, dude. DJing, it's weird. I don't. I don't think. I. I. I don't think about it that often. Um, and I'm. Tr- I'm still trying to figure out why. <laughs> because it's a huge part of even who I am as a musician and a producer, and mainly the production stuff. Because that's where you get like a really good understanding of how music works together and like blending and and beat beat structures and stuff like that. But I took to it pretty naturally, just being a musician, you know, and our, our mutual friend Ramon, who was my my roommate at the time, uh, was teaching teaching me how to do it along with uh my other friend Pell and and uh Brian. And um yeah, I you know I kind of I took to it very quickly. Um and so I started working really quickly and it was it was good better money than working at the alley or <laughs> doing any kind of retail work. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think it was great for me because I got to expose myself to a ton of music that I just would never, totally. <laughs> such like a musical Puritan at that time, the thought of like listening to pop music for four to six hours was, was like torturous. And then, you know, here I am spinning pop 40 and hip hop. And that's when I really got into like to crate diving hip hop, like, like just and like stuff that I feel like everybody kind of knows, but I had always been listening to fish and, and all, you know, like I was so into that, that little niche that like I'd missed all the great Tupac. I had missed Biggie's like, you know, like the 10 crack commandments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'm, I'm working with like other DJs and this is like what they do. They know that stuff. So I got this whole like musical education um from the dj world like i remember like there's a dj that that worked at the same bar named andy uh andy Milady, who's just showed me so much hip-hop that i was like i felt like i was getting my doctorate you know it was really it was mm-hmm. awesome um and so yeah i have to i have to look back on those times a little more fondly i think because i think i got like so swept up in like the the, the bar culture that you forgot that like i was it cultivating and and learning how to work crowd and like you know that, you know bro with the energy of a room that 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 night in question where i where yeah. we went out together for that last time was i remember that was the shit was you were like yeah man i gotta work but meet me here and then when i'm done we'll we'll roll but so i went with ramon and i remember you did uh uh 
juicy into fucking yeah. uh, feel like a woman. Like, and I just remember watching, <laughs> I remember watching this group of females. They're like getting down the bam, down, take it down, down, take it down, and these chicks lost their shit, you know? <laughs> so it, it really was like, I, you know, I always kind of was like, fuck, man, I can't imagine having to play pop music. But it's like, it seems like that was the, like the cool part of it. It was like, you know, you did something dope very immediately yeah immediate it's got to be like kind of what a comedian feels like you know yep. like because there's this immediate response and you can tell if the room goes flat you're like oh that was a bad move wrong one. but you know like it was cool because like there was you do these mixes where i did this uh my favorite one ever was always doing um tipsy yeah uh, like jaquan mm -hmm. and then spinning africa behind it and like you just get this really creative mind so then you know i'd go home and it'd, it'd translate into this production because i could start hearing i've never been a very beat oriented person which is ironic that i'm a, a bassist now but uh, <laughs> like <laughs> i've never been i've always been very melodic you know but that was like kind of really good for me too because it, it, it gave me like this like because DJing is primarily a, a, a function of, of learning how to integrate beats with, you know, alongside each other. And then, then like what makes really good DJs, really good DJs is knowing keys and knowing how to like blend in songs that work well together. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was just like every, every, I, I feel like I try, I, I'm bad at giving myself credit, but everything I have done has kind of led to where we're at now and just kind of, you know, helped solidify the foundation of being a pretty well-rounded just musician yeah i mean dude you've done you've done so much different shit 100 and bro yeah not a, not a bad thing to have in your back pocket that you can just see some ones and twos and be like all right i got this look out what do you what are you running here all right yeah we got, it still know, works I, I did that that new year's show opener oh, in, uh, in red lodge that was fun that was a really fun story for many a reason, but <laughs> oh man, we did some. Uh, we did some. Literally elicits. brought the roof down. Yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Did. Yeah, dude, we did some elicits that we didn't know were quite as illicit as they were, and uh, you know, yeah, the plan was like, oh yeah, we're gonna you know get feeling a little funny and play this show, and we got feeling a fuck ton of funny, man. It was, it was a rough one, and you know. Oh man, I wish we would have recorded that show. Cause I remember that we had some like pockets, dude. Like once we all got in it, we were just like, okay, it we're was a in great this. show. Yeah, and I, I remember tuning. The, the music saying, was great. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> the crowd. Yeah, dude. The in between, the time in between songs was the worst. Playing the music was fine. We all settled in so nicely, but like as soon as we were done, it was like this feels like it's been going on for a really long time. yeah that's the thing is every, every every break between songs felt like it was fucking 20 minutes i remember tuning and was like yeah. it's like the longer we're quiet the weirder it gets <laughs> yeah. oh shit and it was true and yeah then, uh, they, then you know people got ruckus so they actually did bring the they, they damaged the roof we did yeah. actually bring bring the roof down so yes Someone went on uh, somebody's shoulders and knocked some, knocked some, some ceiling tiles down. Which, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I haven't, you know, that's the, sh it's funny, man. Cause I always, that's the shit we're going to remember and talk about even 20 years from now, you know? And yeah. one yeah, valuable thing that, uh, that I got from Summer's dad, Tom, 
he said to me that first summer we were getting ready to leave for that tour. You know, we mm-hmm. played where the first part of tour was 17 shows in a row without a day off for nobody. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. before we left for that tour, I was like, yeah, dude, we have pretty much zero tickets sold. Like, I'm pretty sure this is going to suck ass. And he was like, these are the times that you're going to remember forever, though. Like, no matter how big you yeah. get, we'll definitely get to a place where when someone is like, hey, do you remember this tour you did in 2022? You're going to be like, which one was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I remember the T-shirt from that tour. That was a cool one. Um, where he's like, you'll never forget that summer, you know? And, and it's, he was That's so true because it's the one that we joke about the most probably, you know? It is. Well, there's so much ridiculousness that happened amidst all of it. I mean, from the van, just comp- like J-Lo, just always either always breaking down breaking. or things hitting it. <laughs> oh, man. How about that I still have Jerry? How about I still got Jerry from Alaska's number? (laughs) Oh, man. Scary Jerry. Just, oh, that Alaska trip is fantastic. I mean, our kayaking, we were just like Montana kayaking team, just blowing everybody out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. Keller's holding it down. Yeah. And there's a great tour. I mean, I, you had to play those shows where you like couldn't even talk. Yeah, so <laughs> managed to sing a ninety-minute set. <laughs> fuck, we were so we 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 played this festival in Alaska, um, in Haines in Southwest or Southeast Alaska. Um, mm-hmm. On an you know Haines is a fucking island, so we did the whole thing. We took a ferry out there and everything, um, and it was a really wild trip. But they were like, oh yeah, you know, locals in town that have room put up artists. Um, and everyone that we had talked to that had played the festival was like, oh yeah, dude, our guy was super cool. We each had our own rooms. A couple of them had their own bathrooms. Like it's super dope. So I was like, oh, okay. So our fucking guy that picked us up from the, (laughs) from, uh, from the, the dock was a man named Jerry. And we have all of our music gear, you know, like guitar, bass, Keller had his cymbals and shit. And this guy has a fucking Subaru and we get to his Subaru and he's got like four fucking dogs in the car. And we're like, (laughs) like, I forgot about the dog. We're like, did you you thought this one all the way through? Didn't you, Jer? Um, And he's dude. So Jerry was just like this classic old hippie that like barely survived the sixties, somehow crawled through the seventies and almost died in the eighties for sure. And, But the the shit coming out of his mouth, dude, you know? So we're all sitting crammed in this fucking car and his dog is just barking nonstop. And I remember looking back at Keller and he's like, what the fuck, man? And a guy, Jerry goes, take a red, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know a motherfucker's old school if he tells you to take a red. And the way he said it, like so classic, like of the time. Hey man, take a red, man. <laughs> like, dude. Oh, and I give Kyler credit because he was the reason that we stayed. Because I remember everybody just being like, "No, I don't want to do this." And then Keller just looking at like us and being like, "But the stories, yes, man, the stories." Yes. And here we are talking about scary Jerry. So yep. Keller, you were on. Like, you were, right yeah, now. I've completely forgot about that conversation. He's like, "Dude, it's three days. It'll be hilarious." <laughs> Now, some, some things that followed was, yeah, I had this really gnarly dry cough. No other symptoms whatsoever. Just coughing my fucking ass off. 
And I couldn't shake it, you know, so I lost my voice, but we still had to play. And I remember all I wanted was a hot shower to like get some steam and see if it would chill the thing out. (laughs) So this guy takes me to the bathroom and this tub looked like three people had been murdered in it, a couple people shit in it, and a dog had been rolling around inside of it. And he he turns it on and he goes, oh yeah, man, sometimes the hot water just takes a little bit. I waited 30 minutes, dude, and that water never got above 30 degrees. And by a little bit, you mean like two and a half hours and for a five minutes of yes. hot, hot water. And then I remember after our third set that we played there, I remember being like, fuck, man. Okay, all I want to do is just go to bed now. I did it. I made it. I go back and at like midnight, 1 a.m., this, this guy comes home and he's rustling around in the fucking kitchen. His dogs are going ape shit. And I come out to finally be like, look, dude. I tried, man. You gotta shut up. You gotta let me sleep. Like you've been a fucking nightmare. Can I please just get some sleep? And I walk out there and I come in the kitchen and this motherfucker standing in his underwear, eating a cake with his hands and has cocaine residue all over his nose. <laughs> just like, what the fuck movie did we walk into, dude? You can't make this up, you know? Like you really couldn't. Like it was wouldn't be as good if you tried because oh, like the, the reality of the situation was just too hilarious. And Jerry, I hope you're out Jerry. there. I hope you're out there, homie. I Keep mean, it. between Jerry and just this like Kansas stories, because I mean, oh whole, man, the whole time How about, in Kansas. You remember Jerry? We fucking yeah, man. I just keep thinking at any point in time the fun police are gonna come <laughs> harass me, <laughs> <laughs> or him just casually strolling into the green room, like whatever he wanted, and just like pilfering all the food yep. and just kind of like just being awkward with everybody hey man yeah i like good music too man yeah what do you play you know yeah. just like and just being a full-on a full-on creep to some girls too full joe oh, yeah. biden full joe biden oh vibes. yeah very yeah if joe biden <laughs> was taking reds that's what you'd have <laughs> um so let's talk about um you so carl has always played guitar i mean he's played enough bass to play on his own shit but I called Carl in 2015 and was like, hey, dude, we're coming to the Midwest. Um, and I no, we'll back up a little bit. He goes, hey, man, I've, I took a couple songs that you recorded with your old mandolin player. And I put bass and harmonies on it just so you could see what it would sound like. And I was oh, like, I forgot about that. yeah. And I remember being like, I played it for summer and she was like, oh, fuck, dude, that's game i totally forgot about this crazy yeah so then i was like okay cool we'll bet we're coming through and we're gonna play you know chicago minneapolis and fucking something you know madison madison yep yeah and uh so i come to chicago which was the first fucking time i had been back and that's a whole other podcast oh yeah, yeah you know it cracked my heart wide open i was questioning my whole life and you know, I was like, should I move back here? Like, it was so fucking wild. But, um, uh, but Carl played bass with, he opened that show, played bass with us. You played in Des Moines as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I pretty much at that point with my old mandolin player, pretty much just despised even being in the same room with him. Um, and so I pretty much was like, okay, cool, dude. Well, Carl, I want with me forever. So we'll find a drummer. 
uh, we found a drummer and then Carl literally was just like, okay, I guess I'm a bass player in a band. Talk about that transition. Cause that's huge to just be like, I mean, being like, okay, well, typically I play rhythm guitar and sing, but I'm going to play lead now. Like still the same fucking instrument, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, I mean, I wish I could be cool about it, but I was so out of my element for <laughs> the first couple years, even, um, I didn't realize, you know, I think a lot of guitar players um, and I, every bass is going to be really happy with me for saying this, but <laughs> a lot of guitar players, you look at the bass and you're like, well, it's two strings less, you know, the dexterity's there. I know how to manip manipulate the instrument. I could, I could play bass, you know? Um, and then you start to, and you realize that you're like, I don't know what I'm doing at all. I have no concept of not even, it's not really like the, the fundamentals of how you play it, but like, what role it plays in a band. Like if you're doing your job well, no one really notices you're there. And as soon as you don't, everybody points at you. Cause like everybody can tell when the bass sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but the goal is to slide in and kind of, you know, like just hold everything up without really being, you don't want to step on anyone's toes because the melodic instruments are supposed to be doing their job and you're supposed to be supporting. So it's just very, it's funny too. Cause like, now that I think about it um, later in life and now that I've really kind of fell, fallen in love with the instrument completely, I'm like, it's very fitting of my personality because I, I, I don't, you know, like being too far up front always kind of, I get a little nervous, I get nervous, you know? Um, and so like a bass for me is very fitting because I like like being kind of in the background, like just working, just doing stuff to service the song. Um, and I think that's why I like producing too, because it's like, all right, I get, get my hands on everything, but I don't have to like, you know, really be put myself out there, but I get to like kind of be part of this creative process. But um, yeah, it was hard. You know, I, I had to listen to a lot of bass players. I remember like, you know, I'm really thankful for like Sam Ravenna and like Brian Lang, like Brian, yep. Trevor's bass player, sat me down and I, I, I just asked him a bunch of questions. I was like, who should I be listening to? And he was like, Willie Weeks just go listen to Donny Hathaway and just listen yeah. to Willie Weeks. And that like changed my perspective. And then between talking with like him and Parker and, and uh, Sam, you know, those guys were like huge. to so, like, just get me in the right mindset because they're like, you can do this. Like you're not a bad musician and you obviously know how to like kind of work it, but you need to like work on some fundamentals and like, and just the role really just like, stop playing out because that's what i was doing and it's hard too because we were three piece so there's yep. a lot of space to fill yep and like the more people we add like as soon as we added stuff on i was like oh Pocket. this is so much All fun day. i really just get to sit back yeah and like playing with ben he's like i you know you learn a ton a lot like i feel like bass players if, if you're stuck like go talk to a drummer like you don't even have to go talk to another bassist. Like go talk to a drummer; they'll teach you more about your instrument than <laughs> than mm -hmm. a lot of people will. Because like Ben has influenced my playing immensely. Like just by giving me like you know, he's Ben has told me of so many artists. Yeah, yeah, dude. And Ben is really good too. At um, he's one of those guys that really just fucking understands music. So he has this yeah. this thing where he fucking um. I don't even, how do you, how you say, um, you know, like when we're like working on a transition between two songs or doing something cool live out of nowhere, dude, he'll put on the captain's hat and he takes the lead. Like, no, you do this yeah. and you're going to drop out. And I pop, 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 pop. And then he does it. And I'm like, Oh dude, that was sick. 
Like, you know, and I, I kind of really good. Yeah. Yeah. I love when we're doing live shit and he fucking steps in. Um, yeah, I feel like you really, yeah, I feel like you really, you know, instead of doing this, play that. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. (laughs) Oh no. I was just going to say, (laughs) yeah, totally. There's that weird delay. Um, I feel like you really opened up when we started playing with Ben, like your self-consciousness went out the door. Um, and, and Ben, the thing with Ben too, that I saw that he did with you was he never commented on anything you didn't do how he thought you should do it. It was all, that was sick. Ooh, yeah, that, you know, it was all very positive yeah. affirmations. So I really watched once we started playing with Ben, I watched you just really open up and, and, and just become a fucking awesome bass player. Yeah. I get really pressured by criticism and not to say that I don't take it, but I, you know, I've spent a lot of my adult life learning how to internalize it without like attaching it to, uh, to like who I am as a person, sure. you know, it's like, and I think like, that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And so I, you know, I've kind of like forgiven myself for being just so hard on myself, but like, there is kind of like, you know, I grew up with like a very perfectionist kind of mentality in the home, in the household and stuff. So like criticism has always been really hard. Um, and Ben was just like, had this innate ability to like positive reinforcement and, and then like, positive reinforcement with a suggestion following Mm -hmm. it you know so it was like that was really good how about you do that and then like try this and then that just opens you up to like the possibilities of all the things that you know you just have to admit that you don't know everything and when it came to bass I was like very much the humble I'm like I'm just I'm learning as I go and then now I pick it up and I feel immensely comfortable on the instrument and like i just really love it like now like i sent you that message the other day i was like yep damn it true he just turned me into a bassist and i don't know how that happened but you know i figure after five years of doing it you know it should it should be that way well what's really interesting too dude is i you know you're such a different dude than you were five years ago as am i but like um you know man i have so much respect for you a as a musician but b as you know i was like hey dude like i for instance when we came to chicago that first time i remember like man this motherfucker's got a two-bedroom apartment in rogers park this is ill like you're doing all right yeah you know because it in my brain that was like the goal was like if you could live in chicago and have a fucking two-bedroom apartment by yourself you're crushing um yeah yeah. And I remember being like, you know, essentially I was like, hey, so I know you have this really comfortable thing and you fear change more than anything in the world, but would you want to burn your, <laughs> you know, <laughs> would you want to abandon everything, everything comfortable and familiar and come out here and be a very unsuccessful band with me? And you're like, uh, yeah, fuck it. Let's send it. Like, I feel like we both went in with this, like, I remember this band meeting at my old house when you were like... I don't like playing bass and I don't even know if I want to fucking tour anymore. And I remember Keller yeah. was like, we just had like an honesty pool. Right. And Keller is like, I yeah. fucking hate playing reggae. I don't like playing reggae music. <laughs> yeah, I totally remember we, this. We play, we play a lot of it. Uh, and yeah. I just remember, you know, I remember being like, guys, give me a fucking year. And if it's not better in a fucking year, then you can bounce, you know, and I kind of, I did that with yeah. myself too, of just like, okay, I'm going to give this a year 
And then, okay, well, it has gotten incrementally better. Okay, well, I'll give it another year. Uh, and then I fully, yeah. you know, in about 2017, I let go just because I've been like, all right, man, I'm so fucking in this thing. And I've been through so much bullshit. Like at this point, uh, it's dragging yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at this point, exactly. it's dragging me with it. I remember like the moment I had, it was like, I think, I think most musicians, especially when you're learning how to tour, because it's such a different experience, even than what you thought. I mean, we struggle with that, with just like public perception of what we do. Like everybody's got this kind of stereotype romanticized version of what tour looks like. And then you start talking about it and they're like, oh, for real, that's what it's like. Oh, that sounds like, like oh, hell. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm always tired. Um, but I remember being at Chris's house in Seattle and that was it. Like, that was like the, the moment that like, you kind of like, we had that breakfast that morning and you were like, dude, like you either got to kind of let go of whatever you're holding on to that's keeping you from enjoying this or you just got to stop, man. And I'm not going to, and you were really good about it. You were like, I'm not going to hate you if you stop, but like, you can't keep on like this. We were about to go to Alaska. Um, and I had been like, hold it up. I, Chris, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I was in, I was, <laughs> I was in a, a place. Um, so yeah. thank you for being so patient with me. But um, it was, uh, I remember when we were on the ferry, like going up to Haynes, that's when I was like, dude, you just like have fun. This is so much fun. You're in Alaska right now. You never even thought you'd ever get here. Yeah. Like, why are you, why are you fighting this? Like, this is taking you along for the ride. You're the one like, making this challenging and then ever since then it's just kind of been like learning how to surrender to the moment like we always say that we're like well we're here yeah we might as well have the most fun we possibly Mm -hmm. can like and that's what makes tour so like so much fun is just everybody being on that page you know and now i love it oh (laughs) well now it's a whole different bag of worms yeah yeah i love playing bass i love playing with you guys like i love tour you know it's exhausting and i'm being an introvert it's challenging for me in different ways, but um, it doesn't mean that I don't love it. You know, yeah, I feel I like that's all year. That's where you and I are similar. Is we're both introverts with extrovert buttons, where we can be like, okay, I'll turn it on for a yeah. little bit. But really, I'd rather not yeah. be in this room with everybody. You know, if we're being honest, totally. I, I can, yeah. I can, I'm, but I'm, I'd rather not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm thinking about. I'm yeah. idealizing and romanticizing three hours from now where I don't know. <laughs> where, I'm, where me and Carl are in a hotel room together watching cops and talking watching about how cops. weird the night was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, totally. It's funny, man. That's um, and, and really, dude, those are the moments um, on tour, you know, obviously, aside from when we're fucking crushing. Um, for me, that's it, dude. It's those those nights uh when we make it back to the hotel and we're just sitting there and kind of deconstructing the night and just like man that was that was a good show you did this and that was really good and then i did that thing and how about those weird fucking people that showed up at the end you know it's like you know it's like (laughs) totally um dude it's funny that you brought up seattle because um seattle was the moment i became a businessman um yeah i remember we got right before we went to Alaska when you were holed up in that room. Um, the fucking window had broken, right? Yeah. Because of the grill. The grill had flew into the fucking side of the van and broke the window. <laughs> so we get the window fixed. And then we get back to Chris's. And Keller and I were like, okay, we're going to go have a Seattle day. I've never been to Seattle. Yeah. We're going to go to the troll. We're going to do yada, yada. And um, 
right when we get on the fucking interstate, the van just starts con 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 like, and I can't control the steering wheel. So I take it to the nearest place, and um, it was like twelve hundred and some change to fix it. And I was like, yeah. I think I had fourteen hundred dollars, and I was like, okay, so this is enough to fix it, and with the money I'm about to get in Alaska, that should get me home. And I remember yeah. going like okay, maybe I should ask the guys if they want to be like full partners in this thing and we'll split the cost of it and shit like that. And then I just had this thing that changed when I was like, no, dude, I can't put that on them. And, you know, I remember giving that dude all my money that day and I literally had, you know, $180 and $20 bills and was like, okay, I've been gone yeah. from home for three and a half weeks and I'm going to come home with $0. Yeah. And I, and I guess I'm just going to be fucking okay with it. And this is what happens to you because, <laughs> you know, I was like, I just kept being like, this is, again, I, I say this all the time on the podcast, but I always have had this mentality of this is when any logical person would quit. Any logical yeah. person would be like, this motherfucker ain't working. I'm quitting. And I've just always had that mentality of like, well, if I make it past this quit zone, I probably offend myself from a huge chunk of the herd. You know what I mean? And then yeah, you just keep, totally. you know, and you keep going and eventually you're just like, well, yeah, I made it. Cause I didn't stop, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. Cause like, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know I had that in me. Like I, I've yep. always, you know, I struggle with depression and all these things and I've always kind of like kept myself subdued. And it's because of the last five years that I've been able to make other changes in my life because of like that mentality. It's like, well, do, well, if you look back, you've stuck this out, even through the times that you didn't like it, through the times that you wanted to quit, through the times that you, it would just be easier to go home and hang out with your dog and just like live your life in that regard. And then you start applying that outwardly to, to things that bother, you know, like with, with me, like trying to get healthy and, and, and focus on, on that more and stuff like that. And it's, it's amazing kind of like I, I attribute probably most of my growth as a human being from taking on touring and, and and kind of just like surrendering to what we do and trusting that it's going to work out that's that's the other thing like I'm, I'm just always like in a place where you know I, I say it to you regularly I'm like I trust your gut man let's just do it like let's just go you know well, it just keeps, <laughs> get, it keeps getting better you know and yeah. that's always like that's always the thing is it's like okay you know, like we stay in a little nicer hotels now. We're still sharing rooms, but we're in nicer hotels that have gyms and breakfast. And it's like, yeah. for me, it's all about that scale, you know, of like, okay, well, eventually we'll have a bus and that will be a next thing. Yeah. And, and I just, I really believe in us, dude. And I really believe in what all of us bring to, uh, to the live show, to the behind the scenes thing. And really our hang, dude. I think our band has the best hang. Yeah, ever. we do. Uh, it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean the things that pop out of everybody's mouth and, and, you know, every time we add someone new, it's, it's always great. You know, when you added Stefan and then Greg came on, like everybody brings something else to the dynamic. Greg, um, baby. No one steps. Greg. <laughs> Yo, you're about to be a lifer, son. You're going to be, uh, yeah, you are. you're going to be the most famed fucking tour manager uh, ever. We're taking you with what us, and you're never allowed to leave. You don't, you don't get to have a personal life anymore. You are, you belong, to, <laughs> you belong to Satsung. Um, we're to keeping us, you. We would have it no other way. Yep. Yeah, he's man. Great, he's a great guy. 
Yeah, it really yeah. is. And just he, you know, he's one of those guys, you know, sometimes all it takes to keep the mood right is one dude to be like, well, boys, let's go fuck it up. You know, like yeah. it takes one guy to be on team. Let's get some. Yeah. Uh, and then he everyone else is always just, on team. Let's get some. Even when he was had a hundred and fucking three temperature and like he's dying in the back of the van and he's like it's okay I'm just gonna fast and sleep and then when it comes to uh, to selling merch I'm gonna go crush yeah I'm gonna go crush couldn't like, tell he was die. sick any of those nights either nope no he's doing fine and then he'd just go back and die yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, bro then, I remember in Des Moines he uh, in Des Moines when we were in the hotel room uh, after the show. He took all these towels and uh, and had them all wrapped around him. And I took a shower and I came out. So I was in the shower maybe 30, 45 minutes, you know, like yeah. taking that nice long post-show hitter. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I come out, bro, and he's pulling these towels off of him. And I was like, did you fucking cover those towels in cold water to put on you to try and cool you down? He's like, no, man, that's my sweat. I was like. <laughs> what? Just full dying, dude. Getting sick on the road, people don't understand how how miserable that experience is. I think I've only really been like super sick that one time when we were in California. Yeah. Um, from like Santa Cruz down, we played yeah. in LA at like Hermosa, and I was like on stage, <laughs> like just yeah. eating it locally all night. But it's not pleasant, man. But I was gonna say too, like even like. You know, people have gotten to hear the podcast with Matt, but like our team is so solid. Like yeah, Matt is dope. just like a, a gift. Like that, he's what a what a guy, what a mensch. Yeah, a true mensch, <laughs> dude. True he mensch. really, he really is. You know, the thing with Matt, and I think the thing that you need most uh, in the qualities of a manager, yeah, is dude. I could call Matt and be like, okay, the entire band is sick. Someone stole the van, and all of our gear is gone. And he would be like, <laughs> okay. I need you to stay put and I'm going to work on this and I'll call you back in 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, there would be no sort of like, well, fuck man. Uh, what the fuck? (laughs) Fuck." You know, there would be none of that. He would immediately just be like, okay. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm going to get on this. I'm on it. I will talk to you soon. And like watching you two, you know, cause like, it's fun. Cause everybody's kind of got their own role, you know, like I've definitely slipped into this, like helping with the engineering and the more, like the production side of like the the music itself and then but I get to like kind of objectively watch you and Matt interact and watching that relationship is is really great for me because I don't really have like a very strong business mindset I have this very Mm -hmm. creative technical aspect that I love Um, but it's so cool to see because it's very kind of like a symbiotic thing you know like you guys just really like there's always ideas that's so crazy yeah. crazy to me i'm like how do you think how do you guys just keep keep thinking of stuff like this like there's never a lack of of concepts to yeah no with, and you know? and we talk we talk five times a day you know yeah um, <laughs> yeah yeah so that's what's so funny you know that's one of my favorite things about the band is that i have like you know like you're my music guy he's my business guy i'm super tight yeah. with both of you um you know and then we have our you know, the whole band family, which is like its own whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's getting bigger. Like now it's like photographers. We've got like Grayson and Mark and, you know, these like really great artists that like kind of enter and exit as we're just doing our thing. And 
I don't yeah. know. I mean, we're like just the people that come to our shows are awesome. You know, like I've made so many friends, just like like Kevin and you know, mm -hmm. just and Kate. You know, and um, just analog great David, human beings. That analog David, man, analog David, way to go, bro. <laughs> what a guy um but yeah you know I, it's it's a it's a magical thing and it's really cool to just see it grow and even like this year just with not being able to tour i think you know it, it makes you realize how important it is um in you know or at least to me in my life i know it is to you too and, and then but also taking the time to like create you know like uh, I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the album but yeah, no, I was just going to say, well, well, yeah. well, I was just going to say, we're not going to play a fucking song for him. You talk about the new album. Oh, man, it's so it's the gas, man. <laughs> it's the gas. It's, it's the gas. It's the great American songwriter, for those that don't know. It's now it's 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 a, 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 an evolution, I think, uh, in your writing, in the arrangement. I'm just looking now uh, today I was listening to the full the thing that you know just the updated versions of everything and thinking about the players on this album you know like Eric Roberts and, and Wolikowski and, and um, you know Tim Snyder and, and Connor and like it's so cool like I think um, that's the one thing you know you and I did story view in, in your office with mm -hmm. one microphone mm -hmm. in three in three <laughs> days. Did in three days um we did pyramids similar style shotgun did the drums in my living room in in montana did between and all the music been... for between in a van <laughs> in a van keller hammered that that key part out on the whirly and that was it you know mm -hmm. um it's it's crazy to see it get to this point where now it's like playing with with players and 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 you know Stefan and Ben and then just getting other people involved um it's going to be a, a not a dramatic change I don't feel because the songwriting it's still your it's still your songwriting but there's a stylistic turn to it there's like a lot more expose the, the songs are have in my opinion they have like a lot more kind of depth um of of lyrical content um and it's not it's not it's you know not to say i feel like it's i i don't like the the term conscious music only because mm -hmm. i feel like it it pigeonholes mm -hmm. uh the band stylistically yeah i think that the concept around the community is fantastic and i love that i'm not commenting on that at all but i'm saying it's very hard for i always get confused because i'm like well and you've talked about this too it's like we don't sound anything like like them the only reason yeah. we get kind of lobbed in is is the lyrical content but i think in this regard this album is 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 a lot bigger than that and i, I yeah I, you know i found myself really since i've been home you know listening to a lot of old country and and li just listening to a lot of songs and they're like okay well what why the fuck did George Strait have 30 number one singles? Right. Right. And then you listen to these songs and you go, oh, because anyone can fucking listen to them. Yep. You know, um, and I never really aim for anything when I'm writing a song. They just kind of happen. But so what ha tends to happen to me is whatever, you know, whatever I'm kind of swimming in consistently, that's what tends to come out. You know, so I feel mm -hmm. like all the songwriting on this album was real folk and americana and country and, and and just making songs that anyone can listen to and and relate to um, yeah 
but it's still you it's still your core of like yeah. what you like to talk about you know and it's still personal and and vulnerable and authentic and but it's also just like like you said like it can reach a lot more people i think um i i love it i'm in love with this album yeah dude already. i, li- I like, listened to it I'm... twice <laughs> i listened to it twice this morning yeah i mean dude i just can't even imagine when we're done recording everything what it's going to sound like because i already am just like fuck dude i already really like these songs as fucking four on the floor midi fucking kick drum yeah. and, two, and two guitars <laughs> yeah. it's like what is this going to sound That's like amazing. after after fucking ben plays on it and stefan and yep. Wojcicki and the and snyder and all these fucking cats like um yeah i'm really really excited man and i really um you know, the interesting thing about working with a label was that it was like, uh, which I can't tell you who, what, when, where, why, but, um, you know, was the option was on the table to go to a studio, you know, or hire a producer or, or do any number of these things that one typically does when you get a label deal, a good one. And I still was like, dude, I remember telling Matt, like, no, dude, I think I want to self-produce this and have Carl do all of the shit that Carl can do and just keep pretty much doing it exactly like we've done every record because you know I just was telling him like it's a lot more attractive to me to just have my friends come out to the most beautiful fucking state in the world Montana motherfuckers um (laughs) and and stay in a house for a week and then you know just because I know what your skill set is and and you've shown me enough like, you know, the way we have sessions planned, well, while you're recording drums, I'll be recording guitar, you know, it's because you've showed me enough that I can be like, now I'm not going to like make my own EP or some shit, but I can record stems, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. so you it's like, we've done that this whole process. Yeah. So it's like, I just kind of am like, why the fuck would I want to get somebody else up in my, me and my crew's creative process? Like, I don't want to do that, dude. Just let me do my thing and let me do it with the people who I know do their thing with me well. And like the other side to that too, I think that's awesome. Is this this album is so Montana, and yeah. I love it. I love it. Like I was just listening. You know, it's funny. Like I was driving. I drove. I just got back home from visiting you in Montana, yep. and I was driving home on Thursday, and I was just listening to to Childers like the whole way out through Montana. And there's something about that vibe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like so apparent too. And I'm not saying that like that our music is going to sound close. You know, totally. it's, it's, it's not that close to that, but like, there's the feeling. There's a it. vibe. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, Oh, so the fact that we're going to be in Montana at a house recording well, this album is man, that, that was insane. really, you know, but whether it's, uh, you know, branding or concept, the whole thing has been, you know, realistically, man, it's been five years since I've had almost a whole year at home. And, yeah you know, and when I was writing all these songs, I was just like, fuck, man, this one feels different. This one feels like home to me. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like I'm home. Like, stylistically song, I just felt homey. And, yeah. you know, and then you put all the songs together and you're like, oh, like, even um, um, I'm the one, right? It's this, like, yeah. super upbeat kind of beachy song. It's like, this yeah. is something you listen to you're on the river. This is this is yeah. river music, you know. Totally. Um, got some like good 
Simon vibes in there. Totally, I totally. I so I, yeah, I think yeah. I think everything on the record, man. I appreciate you saying that because that's my vibe. Is I just want, you know, it's a peak. It's a peak. It's a peak inside. You know, culture was really existential for me. Culture was really me examining the outside world and breaking it down, and you know, Motown and hip hop and neo soul and, um, yeah. you know, I mean, it was really was heady. You awesome. know, yeah, yeah, but it was very heady. And I think that's I, people are coming back to it now. I always kind of think that's funny because you were talking about stuff that is now incredibly about, applicable. Bro, <laughs> I, that shit, that shit, that's all as an artist. Like I was having that conversation with Big Samir, and he was pretty much like, Man, yeah. that's why that's why I fuck with you. Cause I you were talking right. about this shit three years ago, you know. <laughs> yeah. And we um, all knew it. I remember being where I am now at the at, you know, at Cedar Tone uh, in Minneapolis and we were recording drums and I remember listening to to Will Stab and being like, I mean this is heavy, but he's not wrong. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> like, like, yep. This is all legit. And then you know, fast forward a couple of years and it's like, oh man. Well, I just wanted to, I know. And I just, you know, I wanted to, with culture, you know, the whole vibe was like, right. That famous, uh, um, like, uh, blue samples it. I forget what movie it's from where it goes, you know, one day or yeah, as a Gil Scott Heron, right. Where he he goes, you know, one day my son's going to ask me, daddy, where were you when the shit was going down? (laughs) And I want to be like, I was on the right side of the mic, son. I was trying to tell him, you know what I mean? So that's what history that's what that's what culture was for me is just saying you know here's my opinion on this shit so you can never say that i wasn't that right and if Um, i implore people listening if you haven't like sat down with like a with a really focused ear on that album you should because there's there's more to it than i think people let get through the first time around yeah just listen to the first four songs oh yeah you know, that's I mean, it. I remember the resistance. Yeah, and I, bro, and I remember, I remember, you know, there is quite the debacle of, okay, do we put all four of these songs first? Or do we try to space them out? And should we, should we put Wheel Stand as the, <laughs> as the first song? And I remember at the time, man, my attitude was really like, fuck it. If, you know, if someone isn't with it, then they cannot be with it. And I'm fine with that. Where it's like... Yeah, and- Go ahead. I was going to say the intro, not even Will Stand, yeah. it is like a tonal, it sets a very heavy tone. Like Yeah, I, I really appreciate teacher. you doing what you did with that, man, because, uh, you know, Mr. Weiss was somebody of, man, I can't even talk about the dude without starting to choke up. Uh, he was such yeah. a person of, of great importance to me. And um, when I found, when I found his voice, on the internet there's these there's five of these you know 70 second clips and when i heard his his voice again it was so powerful to me um yeah and i you know i remember all i said to you was can you make something that that feels serious that that leads into will stand yeah. uh, and i and i remember when you when you the, the first try there was no edits there was no nothing you you sent that to me and i was like yeah man that was it that's it well, it's the vibe of what he was saying, you know, it, it, he is, I never knew him, but I, I got to know that clip very well. Um, and there was, every word was intentional. Like, mm-hmm. and you could tell he was that type of person. And I, you know, it's like, sometimes it's all you need. You just need like a little clip of a person's personality to really get who they are fundamentally. And you, you could see the depth 
that was who that person was so simple it was like all right we're gonna do some like heavy piano some cello and we're just gonna like wrap this up so that it's not even about the music it's just you just feel what he's saying the music is just to accompany the speech not the other way around yeah um you know so i I love doing stuff like that man the really things do. the things that man says uh yeah he always spoke that way like that was it's so funny because when I think of the conversations that I had with him in high school, he, uh, that's always how he spoke when he was talking to you about anything. It was that intentional and in depth, you know, one day is funny. He said this to, uh, to Mark Clooney and he, and he said it to me too. He was always very hard on me and I failed, uh, two of his classes. And one day he grabbed my wrist and he said, I only throw stones at you so you can use them to build your foundation. Uh, you know what i mean like he was uh, just that fucking guy was just like damn son what a lime yeah i need to sit with that guy right yeah. down yeah aesop man he was something you know yeah. that was just how he talked he was just this like modern philosopher that was not full of shit he was the real deal and he fucking wow. taught you know he taught art at a school full of you know entitled dipshits that uh that didn't appreciate him yeah. they thought he was weird you know i remember when people would say I had, that i he was so weird, man. That's so weird that you want to spend time with Weiss. He's so weird. I remember being like, nah, dude, y'all yeah. are just on some bullshit. So it doesn't make You're sense wrong. to you. <laughs> I, I had a photo teacher that was like that. His name is Mr. Diasinotis, Mr. D. And he, he let me like go abstract with photography. This is back in the days when you had to like actually, you know, develop your film and use it in larger and all that stuff. And I had kind of found this style. And at one point in time, he just got to, we just got to this point together where he would be like, give everybody an assignment. And I'd be like, I just walk up to him and be like, do you want me to do that? He goes, oh, no, no, no. I want you to, to dive into your work. Like just, you have to give me something when, when everything else is due, you got to give me something because everybody else is turning in something, but no, just develop yourself, like find your voice, you know, like, cause you're onto something. This isn't just a photo class for you. You're actually trying to explore the, the artistic side of what we're doing here. And he would just like, he'd wear his, his like weird, you know, paperboy cap and like blast jazz through the speakers in the dark room, like just yeah. listening to Miles Davis. And you knew that guy was just cool as shit. And he is, and I love him to death, but like, you know, he was weird. And it was because he was just an artist. He was really authentic and he was teaching all these really very privileged kids how to explore photography. And if he found someone that really kind of like enjoyed not just because we didn't just talk about photography, we talked about art in, in general, you know, just music yeah. all the time too. Because he just loved jazz and, and I just credit him for like showing me Thelonious Monk and showing me like the better sides of Miles Davis, like that really early side before we got into that 80 synth mode, which was still good. I mean, you know, but um, yeah, man, it's important to have those, those educators and those people that were impactful and kind of gave you those life lessons. I can tell Weiss, you've never, you've always spoken in the, of him in like the highest regard, which, and, and then Mark do you know like just well that's what's that so life. wild too with Clooney man is like you know him and I were such um you know no one would have said those two are going to be successful particularly because we both used to tell people we were going to be successful artists 
Um, yeah. So the fact that he is a, a very well-respected and renowned photographer and provides for his family with his fucking camera, uh, and I do the yeah. same with a guitar, is <laughs> and, and and that we were the only two people. I, well, I can think of maybe two other kids that were profoundly impacted by Weiss. Um, yeah, it's just so funny because you know Clooney and I never get together and don't talk about him and just how. It's just hilarious. It's just so funny that the two kids that paid attention to him and, and, and took him for what he was uh, and soaked up any knowledge that he would manage to drip out of his head, uh, that we were the ones that became successful artists. So fuck yeah. everybody from Johnson High School. <laughs> uh, you did good, man. <laughs> but real um, good. Well, let's talk a little bit before you go about uh, what you've been doing work-wise since the pandemic and, and uh, yeah, tell everyone what you've um, been producing for the most part. I'm working with the band that we've played with, uh, Graham Good and the Painters, uh, mixing their album and just kind of waiting to, to get, you know, that, that wrapped up and, uh, just you know like it's one of those things where i i've always been the jack of all trades kind of master of none and it, this year has really allowed me to like put more time into the technical and production side um which is you know definitely a happy place of mine so i've gotten to really sit in that chair and um and like fully accept it and then kind of gain like a confidence about it you know i'd done my ep uh last year and i was kind of sitting there thinking i'm like you know i did this and i did i did everything and i, I really fell into it and loved it but i'm like what was kind of the point like because you know i, I loved touring with you and i know you know <laughs> i didn't necessarily want to start touring on my own and starting from the bottom just because i sure. know i know what that I've seen that like. crawl Very, <laughs> yeah yeah um, but what it was for me is eventually I came to this idea where I was like, no, this is, this is so you can show other people, um, that you're cap a very capable producer and arranger and, uh, singer and songwriter and that you have, uh, a, a breadth to your ability, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I've just been doing that, doing some like one-on-one -on -one lessons, uh, production lessons and, um, really just falling into that. And then it's been great because it, you know, falls right into us working on our new album and, um, and, and getting to work, you know, with you again, which is just always, uh, it's so easy. I, I forget, I forget what it's like because we have the vernacular down. You yeah. Dude. Like, I, I'm thinking this like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, okay. And yeah. then send it back. You're like, yep. Yep. yep I mean, I think it's only maybe happened one or two, once or twice where you're like, no, not really like that, more like this. And then I can send it back and you're like, yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's not common. <laughs> yeah. I was, it's funny. It's funny, dude. I was talking to Matt about that very thing of just like, again, dude, I'm not saying that it's sometime, you know, that I, you know, that we won't go into a studio and have a producer be like, all right, dog, run the show. Tell me, you know, here's these songs. What should we do with them? What, yeah. But like, I just, it would be a real, it would have to be a fucking Rick Rubin or someone crazy because, um, yeah, that fluency that you and I have with each other is like, that's kind of a, it's, a, you can't put a price tag on that shit, man. No, it's so hard, man, to develop that with new people, uh, because it is very much its own language that's kind of unique to the working relationship. So 
it's nice because it makes me comfortable. It makes me really confident in what I can do because I don't have to spend all this time talking to you about it. You just do it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, if you like it, let me know. If you don't like, we'll, we'll just, we'll fix it. You know, mm -hmm. um, even like yesterday, just it, like, it's so easy for me to spend 10 hours, 11 hours in the studio working on this stuff because I love it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fun. It's not work. I was like hanging out with my dog all day yesterday, singing harmonies and playing bass and yep. just making things sound clean. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing. Just trying to fill up my time, you know, with music. And then I work as a carpenter when I'm not doing that. So that's always fun to just kind of do something different. So music isn't all of what I do, you know, because I, I don't want to get sick of it by any means. Um, well, for everybody listening, if you want some, one thing that Carl's been doing with some friends of ours too is production lessons. Yeah. And, he, and you do it over Zoom? Yeah, just yeah. screen sharing. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to become more proficient at, at using logic and recording yourself and knowing how to make it not sound like shit, I should do some, well, why don't, I don't need to do lessons with you. I got yeah. a you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've been doing lessons for like the better part of 12 years. Totally. Off and off. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's cool is a, you know, if you want Carl to produce uh, a fucking demo or an EP for you, he can do that. Just reach out to him. Um, uh, but also, yes, yeah, please. if you're interested in, in recording your own shit and learning how to do that and, and make it sound good, um, yeah, Carl's doing these production lessons. And, uh, you know, the the dude I know that's a mutual friend of ours that's been doing them has just said, like, it makes his brain explode every single time you guys do a lesson. So, um, yeah. It's so much fun. And it makes me better at my job because I have to learn how to explain it to someone. You know, like teachers have to know their subject matter inside and out if you're going to teach it well. So it just makes me better at my job. I, I love it. You know, I, I can see that continuing for, for quite some time. How, the, how, can, yeah, people, how can people hit you up? Hit me up. Uh, so feel free to send me an email um, at Carl Roth, K-A-R-L-R-O-T-H music at gmail.com. Or you can reach out via Facebook or Instagram um, at Carl Vincent 86 on Instagram and just Carl Vincent on Facebook. Or you can find my music page, Carl Vincent music or Carl Roth music on Facebook. So. F and A cotton. Yeah, dude, yeah, I can't man. teach non-physical activities. Like I can teach someone how to do something in jujitsu, but when someone's like, how did you get good at guitar? I was like, I don't know, man. I <laughs> fucking played it. Just I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really yeah. what it is. You know, most people ask me, they're like, hey, yeah, is there any way I can get better at this? And like, do it all, all, all the, time the time until you're, yeah. until you're sick of it and then keep going. Um, yeah, man. But just doing that and exploring, finding new music. And, yeah. It's been a, it, you know, it's been a, a equally wonderful and uh challenging year so but it's you know i think with all the challenges all the all the good stuff has really been that, that much better so mm -hmm. can't really complain you know we're just getting better at taking it on the chin <laughs> yeah yeah everybody carl and i were supposed to go play these awesome limited capacities at the mishawaka which is one of the coolest fucking amphitheaters in the united states yeah. of america so carl drives out here to montana from minneapolis and we're going to rehearse for a couple days and then go down. Well, we rehearsed for a couple days and then there's a fucking fire in the Poudre Canyon that made it so smoky that they had to close everything. So the shows got yeah. postponed. So the two fucking shows I was going to get to play with my guy this fucking <laughs> yeah. year get shut down. 
Yeah, we got um, a good hang out of it. We got some. Yeah, we got some awesome work done though. Yeah. Well, man, yeah. uh, I can't wait for you to be out here in two weeks, um, and I can't yeah. wait to get us all in this house and get us fucking rolling. Same, man. Um, Same. And I love you dearly. You're my best friend, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, dude. Thanks for um, having me. This was a blast, man. Yeah, maybe we'll do I we'll do another one post record. We should. We should do a post-record follow-up. We should do one with the full band, too. I know. I was that thinking that the other riot, day, man. dude. We'd have to put a fucking... We'd have to put a shot collar on Stefan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, could, we could fix some things in post. You know, yeah, if yeah, you that's let me, a good If point. you let me add it, I could, yeah. I could always just kind of get creative with edits. But yeah. we, we have, we, we're known to escalate things when we're all in a room. So that could yeah, be when, when Stefan goes on a tangent, we'll just like turn on some like game show music that plays real <laughs> yeah. low level and then come back into it. <laughs> yeah, just at the laughter, just so you know something really good was said. Oh, fuck. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. All right, man. I love you, and uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you in the next 24. Yes, I'm sure of it, but thanks for having me, man. All right, peace, bro. All right. All right, guys and gals. Um, Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. My fucking man. My man, Carl. Um, I don't know who's going to be next on the podcast. I have some people lined out, but I have a couple fighters, but they're all fighting this week. So it'll be tough to get an interview with them because they all fight Saturday. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm going to I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And worst case scenario, I'll just do another solo one. Um, but yes, yes, yes. Um, I love you guys. Take care of each other. Don't fall into the trap of extremism. We see a lot of that going on right now. Uh, nobody wants to hang out in the middle and have reasonable conversations. The goal is to uh, divide and conquer. So don't get divided. Don't pick a team. Don't pick a team name. And uh, yeah, I love you guys. Be well.